Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Back like a bad habit. We're hoping you make us one of your good habits. It is the 1st of September. Can you believe it? September 1st, 2021 already. And it is time for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. Your dynamic duo is back for a full show with plenty of MMA to talk about today. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. I am joined by a gentleman who is skin tag free, a little bit ornery on the other side of the pillow this morning, a little bit, little bit, little bit grumpy, but you know what? We're happy to have him. It's the king of Connecticut. It's Brian Campbell. What's up? BC? Well, n- not skin tag free yet. They still have to fall off, but I got various parts <laughs> of my body cosmetically frozen and picked at Luke. Why? Because I'm a uh, half washed old white dad and half uh, don't want my face covered in it for this camera job. So uh, thank you fans for, for, for coming back to us. I know we haven't communicated well and we're working on that. We didn't have a show Monday as we flew back, but what a week last week. Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley, Cleveland, um, a doc coming in the next two weeks, I hear, Luke. A, a really heartfelt that's, doc. That's on bold. Grown men, that's bold. On grown men growing up. So uh, you might get a little bit more of an adult BC moving forward, Luke. Okay? Okay? You know, I've, I've already mastered the... Uh, the adult teenager look so maybe i'll you know maybe it's time to rotate a bit and shift you know uh so we'll see anyway we got a great show mma heavy today uh luke any closing thoughts on cleveland before we get into the good stuff yeah i'm glad we went i'm glad that we get these show opportunities from showtime i think in many ways there was lots of successes to be had but i think in also some ways bc and i would already look at it as we're happy to get back to some hardcore fan boxing hardcore fan mma mma as you indicated Today's show is MMA heavy, and uh, you know, listen, man, we still got lots to work, lots of work to do. We have lots of things we need to get right, and lots of things, uh, and still goals to attain, and, and so it's full steam ahead. So I'm glad we went, but I'm ready to pivot to the next thing if that makes. I sense. I will say though, in closing, to put this behind us for good, you know, like Rocky IV, Luke, if if you can change, we can change, and um, you know, um, I, I reached out to that guy over DMs, and I, I squared everything up. Okay, we're good. We're good. All right. All right. Well, we we should, time will tell if you're actually really good. But uh, no, we're good. We're good. You didn't have a date with him at PF Chang's, by the way, right? Because that guy was coming hard at Bapa. I mean, coming hard in the paint. So uh, no, wow. I did what not. A, I wow. did not have a date at PF. You know, I've actually. This is a true story. I've never actually eaten at PF Chang's. Is it any uh, good? I have orange no chicken. idea. And orange chicken, Bapa. Incredible, incredible. So uh, <laughs> shout out to all the all the employees there uh, getting it done. But. Uh, yeah, Luke, you know, it's a big MMA world, a big combat world, and there's world, there's room for all of us on there. So, um, you know, heard that shout out that our guy gave us on Monday. Respect. Okay? Thank yes, you. Yes, fair enough. Uh, he's talking about Ariel. Okay, as always, thumbs up on the video no matter who you are. And if you're new here, 
please hit subscribe. We do these more typically on a Monday and a Wednesday and a Friday. BC will host a Friday show and a whole lot of other stuff. You can see us here on social, everything there in your lower third. So follow us wherever that may be, but especially right here on YouTube. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly may. Plenty of Bellator action coming your way, as well as Showtime Championship Boxing. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, no harm, no foul. We do have a merch store. BC, I don't know if your face Hawaiian shirt is up yet, but either way, it's morningcombat.store is the place to go. Do you have any update on what kind of stuff fans can expect there? No, but I will get one very shortly. It's time to get all our ducks in a row and be professionals, Luke. Okay, that includes the merch site. That 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 Hawaiian shirt with BC's old, more immature face on it, that could be a big hit. Hopefully we'll get that out soon. Some factory MMA uh, merch on the rise coming. So get your mugs, get all that shit, okay? Abuela or Abuelo. Let's not keep that man out of the conversation either. Okay? That's right. Grandfather plays I'll- a role too. I'll fit your family in this stuff. It supports us. We appreciate that. Uh, can't can't give nothing but love to our friends Bill and Jen in the RV, Luke. I don't know if you saw them in Butte, Montana over this weekend. Bill repping that 1.0 MK shirt tight, okay? Shout out to Bill there. Love him. Love him. Uh, and then, reminder for folks, I think voting is still open for the World MMA Awards. Uh, if you want to be involved, go to uh, worldmmaawards.com slash nominees and give us a vote if you haven't already. Uh, we appreciate that. I think that's everything. Did I forget anything, BC? I think I got to everything, right? Uh, just, you know, thank you to our, our, our peeps, our fans, okay? Hopefully you enjoyed our content over the weekend. Uh, we cover all facets of combat sports. No, we are not covering pro wrestling moving forward. That was a BC special, so I saw a lot of hate out there. But, uh, you know, when yes. Luke's away, sometimes BC will play. But, uh, no, we're, we're MMA, big-time boxing. Sometimes we dabble in the celeb game, but we're back with a bang. This is a serious show. Let's get real, okay? Let's get inside on each other. Let's do this thing. Okay, it's a little weird, but you can go to morningcombat at gmail.com if you want to email the show. All right, with that out of the way, let's get to some stuff that we missed, BC. It was on Saturday. We're probably the latest to recap this, so we won't belabor the point, but we have to get to, I think it was UFC Fight Night, or UFC on ESPN 30. I don't know what Fight Night number it was, but it was headline, of course. This was the ultimate fighter, the, the brand new one that aired exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Coming back, but it had a headlining about at featherweight between the previously ranked uh, between nine and ten, Giga Chikadze and uh, Edson Barboza, and Chikadze really kind of walked away with this one, winning via TKO in the third round. BC, my question for you is real basic but important: What exactly did Giga Chikadze prove with this win? I think he proved that upper tier, he's legit. He's a legitimate threat to this larger title picture, which is obviously very crowded, some very dangerous names there. But even at 36 or 35, I could be wrong on that. You know, Edson Barbosa rebranded two-fight win streak, moving down in weight as tough as they come. And in both the first and second round, Barbosa had good stretches in the opening 90 seconds or so where he shows you how tough of a, a test this was for Chikadze to pass. Well, not only did he pass it, Luke, he passed it spectacularly. This is a very, very big win because when you when you when you get those highlight wins against a certain level, and you know he's coming off Chikadze, the biggest win of that certain level when he stopped Cub Swanson with a kick to the body, you do wonder can you do that on the higher level? I think it you know it certainly wasn't perfect. He had to get through some stuff, but I got to give this card a lot of credit. Like you, probably I watched this piecemeal little Saturday night, little Sunday, little Monday, little this morning. It's a really good card across the board, and I think Chikadze still, you know, stole the show in the end. Um, Luke, I have a question to spin back to you. I mean, he proved 
More to come with this guy. Big time top 10 matchups to come, maybe even top five after this performance. So we're going to find out who he really is. But when this was, in the, I guess the comparison to something like basketball is, you know, half-court offense set up versus free-flowing, fast-breaking. When this was a half-court game, when this was a game set up, I thought Barboza had the advantage. But I thought Bar that became almost a detriment to Barboza. He really needed to control the terms to have success. And what Chikadze was able to do was paint outside the lines a little bit and mix it up. And his big strikes, which I ultimately turned this fight, they're a little bit wild. Now his technique, his speed, his accuracy are all top end. But he almost squares up to get off his big shots and really just overwhelmed and surprised Barbosa with it. Can he do that, Luke? against the very elite, the very top tier, the chess players, the Volkanovskis. I'm not so sure, but this was a brilliant finish in how he broke down one of the most consistently dangerous and tough fighters over two divisions of the last decade. No doubt about it. I thought that's a good recap. I'd say I feel a little bad for Barboza because he always comes in shape. He, dude, I mean, his resume, whether he won We've talked about Jeremy Stevens' resume on this show. If you just look at the names he's had to face, it's just an incredible list over a long period of time. Barboza's got to be right up there, if not better than that, in terms of just absolute hammers. He has to fight, fight in and fight out, winning or losing. I always take my, head off, uh, my, my hat off to Barboza because we just don't get a lot of guys like this anymore, and he is really quite special in that regard. Still, he did come up on the losing end of things. Chikadze wanted to get pushed into the top five with the win, but he was sitting at between nine and ten. He only is now sitting at eight. I think it's asking a lot because if you look at one to seven, it's Holloway, Ortega, Rodriguez, Korean Zombie, Calvin Cater, Arnold Allen, and now Josh Emmett ahead of him. Any of those fights with Giga Chikadze sound amazing. For me, what I took away from this BC was, one, I still think Barbosa's a little bit chinny. Um, you know, it's not going to be a thing he's going to be able to get rid of. I, I don't think it's a... It's a it's, I don't think it's such an obstacle that he can't beat good fighters, but it is going to be hard to beat good fighters so long as that is a present condition, and obviously it will be. The other thing I would say about Chikadze, though, is, man, this guy really, you mentioned the Cub Swanson thing. I was like, was that really, you know, can, can he do that at scale against better opposition? And I think he can. Now, to what extent we'll have to see, obviously. I do think that someone who's a wrestler might nullify some of this, for example, BC, you noticed how many times he would just blitz Edson Barboza and then come with a huge punch or an elbow against a guy who can level change against you. That's going to be... You're, oh, obviously, yeah. Chikadze's timing is phenomenal to be able to do something like that and reading what's open and setting everything up and you know showing a lot of different looks. But that might get limited somewhat. That was a big problem for Barboza because it kind of spelled the beginning of the end. But really, Chikadze, for me, I'll tell you what was impressive was that when he needed to let Barboza... Or when Barboza just sort of took command of the center. Chikadze was still the one getting off first. He had to do more work because he had to do lateral motion. He was better with his combos. Both guys were pretty good, especially early, about checking kicks. But you can just see, man, here's the one knock on Barboza. This is what Chikadze had over him. Barboza, what he has is extremely formidable. But in the modern game, if you can do something at your core, yes. But then you've got a lot of different tools in the toolbox, you know, that tends to win out all things being equal. Of course, things aren't always equal, but you know what I mean, BC. You know, you can see a guy like Chikadze constantly switching stances, constantly playing with ranges, constantly playing with timing. Plus, he has good defense and good fundamentals. He landed his uh, famed giga kick there as well in that first round eventually, too. 
Dude, he's a very, very talented guy. He's got a ton of weapons, made the transition from kickboxing, I would say, pretty seamlessly. He is now at a point where he's got a lot of different tools in the toolbox, and he has found a way to make them much more lethal. I think when he first started in the UFC, he was kind of on the mental back foot about, I don't want to get taken down and blah, blah, blah. You know, obviously, Barboza's not that takedown threat, BC, but I still believe that he has really, really come a long way with this. Title threat yet? No. But... Um, the well, next I question think, would be, who makes sense next? Well, hold on. I think I think he proved that he's a title threat. To do that against Barbosa, you are 100% proving that. But I think to something that both you and I alluded to, there's still legitimate questions. What about if, like, to your point, if somebody can have a threat at taking him down? And I think, what about somebody who's just a high-level game planner and mover and slickster? And, you know, he called out Max Holloway afterwards. I'm sure in your head you can imagine, you know, could he have some of those same successes against a Volkanovsky? I do have legit questions about that, Luke, because, you know, he takes chances with some of these surges. It's just that his mixture of timing and speed up to these levels has, has been perfect, right? Up to these levels of competition. You know, what's going to happen if somebody can, can can constantly slick that and make him constantly adapt? Is he on that same game planning IQ level? His kickboxing is tremendous. His kicks are hard. They're accurate. He has a way of really throwing them without much wind up or, or, or tell on them. So there's a lot to love here. I think he proved he's ready for the title level. I don't think he proved yet, though. And, it, you know, you can only prove it by beating the best that he's a legitimate threat right now to win that belt. Still more to climb. So when you ask who's next, I think the Max Holloway call out was bold. I don't think he's going to get that next. He's going to have to going to get at least one to two in my eyes to, to climb this top, you know, six or seven in front of him. One to two more solid wins. So, you know, I love the boldness of a Holloway, but Holloway's basically waiting for this Volkanovski Ortega fight to play out so he could get one more shot at the belt, or not one more, you know, his next shot at the belt. We forget how young Holloway actually is. So I'd like to see him do this, Luke, against somebody with a completely different skill set of Barbosa, who is firmly in the midst of that top 10, though. Who do, you, who do you like? I like the Josh Emmett fight because Josh will meet you on your feet. He's let yeah. mu He can kick, but he's much less of a kicker. He's more of a boxer. And, of course, if he needs to, he can wrestle. Plus, I've been saying this, Josh Emmett has extremely high fight IQ. He understands what the conditions have to be in place in order for him to have his best chance at victory, which often includes a lot of movement and nullification and whatnot. But then he is absolutely an offensive dynamo. He doesn't just shut you down. He shuts you down and then really hammers you. I, I, I don't know if he's ready. I don't know if that makes sense. But you're asking me, like, in theory in that ranking list, I love the Josh Emmett fight. Because here's the thing, man. Um, pop quiz, can you name, and I couldn't do this until I looked it up, so no, no, no shame if you can't do it, but can you name the guy who submitted Giga Chikadze on the Contender Series a couple of years ago? Oh, God, I just, I just, uh, I was looking up some, some Chikadze fights last week and I saw that. Who was it, Luke? It's all, I, I didn't know until I looked it up either. It's Austin Springer. So I, I asked myself, yes. where is Austin Springer now? He, after choking out Giga Chikadze, he had one win in Cage Sport, which he won, and then he had his UFC debut which he lost via first-round submission to Alex Caceres. Now, I'm not here to say that the win over Chikadze was some kind of fluke. Maybe that was actually just where Chikadze was in terms of his weaknesses at that time. But back to my previous point, dude, this guy is getting better rapidly. Rafael Cordero, you can see those two guys have a really good... And he has... Cordero has good relationships with a lot of his guys. You can see that they have a good bond. But Chikadze seems to be really in tune with what 
Cordero wants him to do, and he has now much more ability to pull that off. I think we very much have a brand new face in the top 10. Obviously, we already did oh, before, absolutely. but I mean a real threat, and folks need to take him seriously. Well, we have Holloway. I'm um, sorry, we have Ortega Volkanovsky soon, and I forgot that Holloway, you know, had the on and off again fight schedule with Rodriguez. So I still think it'll take him two wins. Josh Emma is ranked seven right above him. Luke, that does offer the perfect, you know, holes that we haven't seen Chikadze master in terms of the skill set of Emmett. I'd love to see that fight. I know there's a couple guys in front of him, Cater, Korean Zombie, but I think you know Emmett is the right fight coming off of that win um, against what uh, against Burgos, right? Yes, correct. There, but but out for a long time with the injury. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the dude, you go out there and finish Barbosa like that. I mean, those right hands were powerful, accurate, you know, quick, on the money. I think his hand speed surprised me here, Luke, to be able to give Barbosa fits on this level. Yes. So big win, more to come. This guy's no shortage of confidence. He was also, you know, kind of made a man in high school in Georgia, just like yourself, Luke. So uh, I think there's a kid. <laughs> yeah, he's a different kind of man in a different kind of Georgia, but that's fair. The last thing I'd say, uh, well, you know, we can move on from there because we've been sort of been going, belaboring the point. But, um, you know, I, I was just going to say his hand speed, yes, is quick. But, like, his ability, he's rangy, and his ability to cover that range is, um, I think it very much took Barboza by surprise. So, Good work by him. Now, the other part about this, BC, that kind of breaks our heart, we have both been Kevin Lee, future world champion, um, dead enders, but we we might be reaching the dead end of that. I, I, I like Kevin Lee a lot. I still believe that we have not. I'll say this. you know, Is he going to be a world champion? I don't know. That's up to him. But I do believe we've not seen his best work. I, I am quite confident in saying that. But he loses to Daniel Rodriguez via split, excuse me, via unanimous decision. What am I saying? 29-28 across the board. I thought he won the first. And then he really just kind of fell apart in the second and the third. BC, are you ready to declare that you have to give up your Kevin Lee future world champion card? Man, when, when these guys have nine lives in your heart, right? I've been here with Adrian Broner. I've been here with Zab Judah. I've been here with, uh, you know, I mean, even Luke Rockhold to a certain degree. I can still talk myself yeah. into things that in reality, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? There's no chance, right? Um... Yeah, you got to take the L, and and we're and we're past taking the L here. So this this was a tough loss, and, and I, you know we can we can hold off the Rodriguez breakdown for a second because he he's the reason that Kevin Lee lost this fight. But you know I, I'm not gonna you know sit here and say well when we said future champion we didn't necessarily mean UFC could win a Bellator title or PFL tomorrow. I mean, you know I don't know, but I, here's the deal, Luke. This is gonna sound harsh. I think he should get cut, and it's not because he's not of UFC talent. I mean he had kicked. Gregor Gillespie, you know, which which was an important win for him to like hold off the uh, the bleeding there. But let's not forget guys who have been cut by the UFC before when they sort of hit a certain dead end. Not a dead end like five losses in a row, old guy dead end. But uh, you know what? I, I can't figure it out. Look at what Brandon Moreno did, Luke, when he got cut. Look at how quickly he was able to put a couple big wins together really look into himself. Now, you could say, BC, like, what are you doing, dude? How many more times can Kevin Lee look into himself, right? You may want to look into a reverse mirror and ask himself if that tattoo was the right move. I mean, but if there is a ninth life left in the Kevin future champion Kevin Lee saga, because you and I both see the ability there, but there's not just one thing missing. There's multiple key intangible things missing. He finds new ways to, to lose close fights where you can really talk yourself into him winning coming in. Um, I think the last gasp on this, because he's still so young, is a, a release that surprises people and maybe would surprise him. 
and force him to go elsewhere, whether it's the regional scene, whether it's the the the, the secondary large market of, of, of Bellator PFL or, or even one. But is one even still a thing, Luke? I don't, I don't hear much rumbling anymore from those parts. I th- I think, um, yeah, I think it's still around. You know, that might be the best thing to rattle the cage and figure it out. Because you know what he's going to figure out by going to that level, Luke? He's going to figure out whether he belongs at that level and he's comfortable and happy with it. And could he win a title at those levels? Sure, the, the talent's there. But as of right now, he he just he's missing what he would need to maximize his talent. And uh, these are drastic measures. But before it gets too drastic, before you're 34 and suddenly the last stop down the road, BKFC, yes, is the only stop left, um, something drastic would need to happen here, Luke. He's not the man yet. We thought he was. And yes, we are running out of options to try to prove to you that what we saw, you know, was was what it was. Um, I'll take the L. He took the L. Is that drastic, Luke? Could he get cut? I, um, I think he might get cut because the way you know some things I've heard, and obviously you, we all heard what Dana White said. Like, you know, I don't know if he's still going to stick around. We'll see. I certainly don't wish that upon him. Like the difficulties that can come with the UFC life taken from you, and now you have to go and yeah. Some people, of course, go to some place outside the UFC and have a lot of success, but you know, a lot of people don't. So I don't wish that upon him, but it's pretty clear that if he wants to get the best out of himself, he is in need of a reset moment. You know, he is very much in need of a reset moment. I mean, I I didn't realize this until I did some research. The last time he put back-to-back wins together was 2017. I mean, you know, we are way, way past that. It is time for... Um, a look into what is happening here. And and between 2016 and 2017, I think he had like a five-fight win streak. Since then, he, the only back-to-back, um, what do you want to put it, uh, you know, consistency he's had is back-to-back losses against I, Quinton Dos Anjos, and then uh, Charles Oliveira and Rodriguez. And look, he's not losing to bad guys. He's losing to, you know, Tony Ferguson in 2017. That's about as close to peak Tony as you're going to get. I, 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 I Quinta, I still think very highly of him. He's got a great jab, comes from a good team. Obviously, Dos Anjos, former champion, Charles Oliveira, current champion, and Rodriguez pretty clearly at this point is should not be anyone's you know secret. This guy is very legit, and he's going to do big things with the time he has remaining in his career. But you know everything is trending in the wrong direction. I did not like this fight for him because he was supposed to take on Sean Brady. And Sean Brady is a tough customer, but that would have been more of a ground tussle, I feel like, which maybe would have been suiting to more of his – someone who would accommodate him – with that kind of a, a an approach to the game, which Rodriguez was not, um, you know. But when I saw this fight, I was like, "Dude, Rodriguez is tough. He can strike his ass off. He's, you know, he doesn't. He has fantastic bearing under pressure. I mean, this was a really, really tough guy to come back to. And I'll say this: It's not like I'm making excuses for 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 Kevin Lee, but I really believe this. Look, if we had a 155 and a 165 and 175 pound weight class, I'm not saying. Kevin Lee would be your runaway 165-pound champ. I don't know that. But do I think that the way in which the weights are structured now with 155, then a big jump to 170, and of course, you know, if we had welterweight under the 165 system, it would be 175. Do I think that this current system, does it does it maximize his skill set and his size? No. I think it puts him between a rock and a hard place. I don't think you're going to get the best out of him under those circumstances. So what the solution is, I don't know. It seems to me like he's a little bit all over the place and there's just a lot of things he has to get right. He showed flashes in the first round, 
But I don't think he's, from my understanding, he didn't stick to his game plan from what I could tell. His coaches were saying one thing, which seems to be a consistent problem with him because then he does another. There's just a lot of things that need to be cleaned up and ironed out, and it sucks because he had two years off. He didn't make any money. It had to be terrible. I feel bad giving this analysis. I don't take any pleasure in it. No, no. But until he really, really, really shakes the foundation of what he's doing and fully resets, I I don't know you're going to get the best out of him anytime soon. I mean, when when I did that show solo coming off of that Kelvin Gastelum loss, it's like, you know, I did the Bill Parcells quote because, you know, you, you are what your record says you are. And I love Kelvin Gastelum, and I think he's shown such elite flashes. He's no longer elite when he's lost five in a row. And it doesn't matter, at t- you know, when the losses pile up to that level. Oh, he's been fighting all killers. Kevin Lee, as you mentioned, has been fighting all killers. But it's four losses in five fights. It's two and five over the last seven He's only 28 years old. That's why I said the extreme move of a cut might be the thing that rattles the cage a la Moreno. And here's the quote from Dana White after the fight. That's a good question. Again, that's the thing we will get together on Tuesday and talk about and figure out what's next for him here or not here. Uh, I don't take any pleasure in it either, Luke. But let's not belabor the Kevin Lee not putting it together point too long and just say, Daniel Rodriguez, I think, in his past three, four fights went from, wow, this is a really exciting guy that we need to watch to, like, wow, this guy, I mean, Luke, he looks, you don't want to judge somebody by looks, but he looks like a fringe guy, but he's starting to fight like a real contender. That boxing ability, the savviness, the toughness, he is legit. I think you saw limitations on the ground in the first round, although he was able to keep his back off of it in two and three. It is time to talk about now, like, how legit can Daniel Rodriguez be? Because D-Rod, crazy tattoos, crazy look in his eyes. He can bring it. But do you see, like, upward bound? What's your what's your, what's your uh, phrase, Upper Luke? bound. Upper bound limits? How, what are his upper bound limits, Luke? Well, I will say that he did struggle a little bit on the ground. Now, not enough, obviously, to lose the fight, but to lose the first round. And even then... You know, it wasn't like he had a dynamic presence on the ground. What he was able to do was either have defense and then nullify it by creating separation standing or whatever the case, like just getting out of those scenarios. So having the good defense is not uh, – it's critical. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a clearly important component to getting back to his feet to do the kinds of things where he is um, you know, much more, more offensively capable of doing. So as long as – remember, you, as a real basic level of understanding jiu-jitsu, it's survive, defend, and attack. So he's at that defense stage, right? It comes a little bit more natural, comes a little bit easier. He's not an offensive threat there in that way. Obviously, with ground and pound on top, he might be, but not underneath. And so to that extent, when you look at the top of that division, I'm not saying he's ready for Kamaru or Colby or something like that, but you got some, you know, Kiesa too. you got some pretty dominant wrestlers up there. I think that could be a problem long term. But what I will say is, you know, we're, not, we're, we're still outside, I think, the top. I think he's sitting at 15. You know, listen, here's who's in front of him right now. Santiago Ponzinibbio, Sean Brady, Muslim Salikov, and then the leech, uh, Li Zheng Lang. I think any of those fights are great tests. Ponzinibbio one stands out to me in particular because I think that could be a great striking battle. Sean Brady, the guy who's supposed to fight Kevin Lee, I, I think very highly of Sean Brady's ability. Um, any of those would be pretty good. But I will to your point, he is tough, and I can't say this enough, his composure he yes. never loses bearing under any situation, good or bad. He doesn't get too excited. He doesn't get too down on himself. He stays real stoic right in the middle, and that carries him to victory, man, more often than not. Yeah, and the window is going to be smaller. He's 34 years old. I mean, in comparison, Kevin Lee, only only 28 still. But including the Dana White Contender Series, Rodriguez now 7-1 under the UFC banner. So, uh 
making noise. Has still has a lot to prove, but man, the head movement, the nastiness when he needs to be, the the long reach. Uh, he's he's fun at the very least. He's must see. And and maybe more, we'll find out. But that was that was a a good fight that told us a lot about both, Luke. Quickly, quickly, uh, I couldn't name the two guys who won the Ultimate Fighter. I apologize to them. I'm sure they're very good fighters. It's nothing personal. I just didn't watch this season. Uh, anyone else on the card stand out to you? Yeah, I, I just mentioned I really like this card, so I'll hit you up on the on the tough finale. I did focus on these two fights, even though I also didn't watch the season. Ricky Tercios, the the bantamweight, did get a lot of attention, Luke, because of his you know, aggressive style and sort of free-flowing personality, although he used his his victory afterwards to really send a message of, of love and peace that, that I th- thought was well-received. But his vi- victory here over Brady, uh, is it Brady Heastand? Uh, by split decision. Uh, uh, yeah. It was a fun-ass fight. I didn't necessarily agree with the Paul Felder insinuation that this is kind of like a poor man's Bonner Griffin uh, even yeah, though you know you yeah, did I didn't see, get that at all. Yeah. Even though you did see determination on both, I don't. You know, I'm not huge on Tercios, Even though he's younger, he's in his late 20s, and this is his you know introduction to the big time UFC. I don't see. You know, he's gonna have to prove it to me long term. But short term, from an attraction, from a guy you know with with a lot of spunk. He really pushes a pace and brings it. He's fun. He's wild. He can scramble. His takedown defense over the second half of this fight improved, which which I think ultimately what won it, even though he had some some rough moments on the ground. And I even want to see more from Brady Heastan, Luke, because here's a guy, a wrestler, who I thought his best work in this fight was his boxing. He had some really stiff shots, overcame a cut. Uh, this was a fun fight in the end. And I think, you know, Tertius is going to get a lot of attention because of the look and the attitude. But um, I think he's still got a lot to prove long-term. But a big win for him. And did you catch at all this uh, this tough middleweight finale when uh, Brian Battle came in there? And he took on a guy in last minute, Luke. Gilbert Urbino was a late, late replacement here due to injury in the final. And Urbino came with that, that same... Um, Energy is like a prime Ugeth Urbino with the machete against his gardener. I mean, this guy was looking to finish this fight early, Luke. But but shout out to Brian Battle for uh, turning it around and overcoming a cut and getting the submission. Um, it kind of made me wish I'd watched the season, Luke, because these are these are fun personalities here. Uh, I'll add to that list. I, I feel like you did a good job highlighting those two. I would add just a couple of names. I thought Dustin Jacoby's win over Darren Stewart was really good. I think Stewart has since been removed from the rankings, but he's still a good fighter. And Dustin Jacoby, I covered this guy when he was doing road to glory stuff after washing out of the UFC the first time. To see him now up here, you know, there's probably still a limit on what he can accomplish, but what he's accomplishing and the ease with which he's accomplishing it, pretty goddamn impressive. I take my hat off to Dustin uh, Jacoby in a big way. And then Abdul Razak Al-Hassan having that huge, huge head kick win uh, over Alessio DiCarico. Um, good for him as well. JJ Yo, Aldridge, by the way. 17 nice seconds. Too. Our boy Dick Rico got sent to hell, Luke. And I know he's going to be <laughs> mad at me for that because he's usually mad at the media. And I didn't take any pleasure in it. But that's a big flashy win for Al Hassan who can bring it. And a uh, tough loss for Alessio. And you did mention Stewart, Luke. He was extracted from the rankings. There's now a filling uh, in that group. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a real cavity to his career there, Luke. But uh, hopefully the... Uh, the dentist can bounce back, and uh, I'm sure he can. He's very talented. Yeah. But Dustin Jacoby is really a different guy. It, it just a totally different guy than he used to be. Uh, okay, yeah. let's do this finally and once and for all, BC. I know the audience has dealt with tons of coverage from a fight they may or may not have cared about, but we'll close the book on it here today. Let's do the epilogue to Woodley and Paul. 
All right, so we all know the story. Jake Paul defeated Tyron Woodley via split decision, which is still a card that I can't wrap my head around. If you haven't seen it, we did a post-fight show. Me and BC, we reacted in real time. In fact, shouts to BC. He did a recap for CBS Sports HQ. I checked today. It has over 2 million views, so um, good job with that, BC. Yo, yo, those are Helwani-like numbers, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. All right, uh, but let's... Get to the story at hand. So, BC, we've kind of said how we felt about the fight. We kind of said how we felt about the whole experiment and everything else. What I want to ask now is, first things first, have you changed your view one way or the other on an idea of a Paul and Woodley rematch? No, I haven't changed at all. And and, and I, I really, look, we're being honest. We, we were honest ahead of this fight. The promotion of this fight won us over. Good Lord did it. It was fun as balls. And I hope that, you know, I hope that the numbers are big for Showtime because of that. Because everyone worked their ass off. The fighters, most importantly, to really sell this. But, you know, the fight didn't live up to the expectations. Even though there were things to like about the fight, there was tense. You did see better boxing in some ways from both than we necessarily expected. But, Luke, I don't think there's a, a call for this rematch at all. Tyron Woodley got an opportunity. Again, I didn't like the call that 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 his legacy was at stake. No, th- no, he, this is a payday for him. Okay, could he have spun this into bigger things with a win? Maybe, yeah. But this, he was brought in as the opponent. So when you're brought in as the opponent there in this kind of case, dude, man, you got a wow. And he he let Jake Paul off the hook, and I think it's what led to it not being as exciting as it could. So from my standpoint, there's absolutely no call for a rematch. Um, Tyron had his opportunity, and we've said pretty consistently, or maybe I've said, Luke, that this bubble is going to last as long as the faces of this celebrity crossover bubble are making really fun fights. Logan and Floyd didn't pan out what what it could have been. And to a lesser degree, neither did this one, Luke. So I think the best idea, if you're Jake Paul, is to move on, you're going to have to step up the level of competition, meaning somebody potentially younger, bigger, with more legitimate boxing experience. I mean, look, it's a, it's a fine art when you're matchmaking at this level, right? The level where obviously Jake Paul's not a real fighter, even though he's showing hints of some things to really like, giving his novice level. But you got to pick the right opponent to move it forward. I don't know what the call would be in terms of the selling to get people excited about a second Woodley fight. If it happens and it's a Showtime fight, and even if we're on the you know on the board, you know we're going to cover it. We're going to do what we have to do. But Luke, to me, Woodley missed his opportunity to really make a big statement, get a big money rematch, or get more opportunities short of a Hector Lombard bare knuckle fight. Which, by the way, I would watch given the the juicy uh, side piece storylines right there. Um, no, there's no call for this. Just like there's no call for us to believe or really give any time to Jake Paul's. Conor McGregor-like retirement tweet that was only backed up by a I'm back type of tweet. So I don't want to be sour here on Jake Luke because I thought he he really showed us a lot in terms of the the poise and the boxing. But I I, I really let me or let me hold this question, Luke. I don't want to go too far. Do you agree with me on that regard? That to be really honest, there's there's no need for this rematch. I agree completely. Yes. Do we right, expand on that, me, or you have another one? Then let me ask you this, okay? Okay. We were cri- I was critical of Floyd after the Logan fight saying your job is to knock out Logan Paul in that spot, right? Or at least try to do it. 
And I think you and I both agreed that Floyd got to a point, look, it was an exhibition, there was going to be no winner or loser short of a knockout, right? That Floyd got to a point where, well, maybe this guy's a little bigger, faster, younger than I expected. Yeah, I can win. And I think Floyd, if we were judging that fight, won that fight. But afterwards, Luke, I, I sort of said, look, you're Floyd Mayweather. You, you're expected to go out there and knock out this novice, and you didn't do it. And I, and I, I gave the criticism to him for not necessarily going after it. Do you think Jake Paul deserves the same level of criticism here, even though it's a different scenario when people are tuning into this fight to see one of you get knocked out? And it's not that they didn't try for the knockout, but there were elements on both sides of trying to balance stamina to go the full eight rounds, given their experience. And, you know, we talked about Woodley not throwing enough, certainly. Do you think Jake deserves a certain level of criticism that says, like, we're tuning in not to watch a novice get better at boxing. We're tuning in to find out whether you're for real or not, specifically through the lens of, did you knock out the other guy or did you get knocked out? Did he do enough to force that equation in your eyes, Luke? No, no, he did not. Um, but two things I would say. One is you have to ask yourself, did Jake Paul exercise, you know, relatively speaking, the majority of his skill to get that win? In other words... You know, was there a lot left in the tank he could have gone to to push the fight further? Uh, I mean, yes, you can always do more. You can kamikaze it till the nth degree. But in terms of like a responsible, stay within your skill set perspective, no, I think he kind of emptied the tank. I think you you saw he what he's got. He couldn't do a whole lot more without really absorbing a lot more risk. But I'll say this, BC, on its face, you know, and Woodley's claims for wanting the rematch, none of them really ring true to me. They just they just. And, you know, listen, and also Woodley is smart. You know, Woodley is a bright guy. He knows that the payday he got for this, just his base pay, was $2 million for this, to say whatever else he's going to get on top of that. You know, he's going to get a huge fat check. And if you can get two of those fat checks, hey, man, you're living pretty nice. So he knew he had a job to do once the microphone was in his face about what he had to sell. The one thing I will say in his, not defense, but what he knows he has going for him is, Dude, Tyron Woodley in many ways was pretty close to the perfect opponent. In fact, the MMA side of things is the perfect opponent. I made this point previously, but I didn't quite crystallize it. I think I've got a better handle on it now, BC. I want to pitch it to you. The reason why there's a little bit of like, well, the Tommy Fury fight's there. I don't really believe in the rematch. I guess we can just do that. But there's not all that much enthusiasm for it is because, dude... MMA being there and being a broken business model is perfect for Jake Paul. Think of it this way. If MMA didn't exist and Jake Paul wanted to do this, what could he do to get the kind of credibility that beating Tyron Woodley offers? You could go to kickboxers, but no one knows who they are. You could go to old boxers, but I have a feeling the old boxer would either be still too good or just too old. In either case, there wouldn't be the same kind of transfer of credibility that beating someone who is a, UF, a former UFC champion, because folks know who UFC fighters are. They know who UFC champions are. So you've got that credibility. You've got that stature he reached in that organization. And striking's kind of a close cousin to uh, boxing. So you have this whole universe of guys that offer you enough credibility athletically but are challenged in terms of the actual skill set. Now, you add on top of that that basically MMA is under something approximating um, monopolistic control, so you're only going to get them at the end, and you're going to offer them paydays that they basically could not get in the other sport. Dude, MMA guys at the end of their career are perfect 
for Jake Paul. Tommy Fury does not offer them in that way. You might beat Tommy Fury. You might sell a ton of tickets in the UK, and they might go that way and do a bunch of big business. But beating him doesn't offer you the same kind of credibility you can sell to the public anyway that beating Tyron Woodley does. So Woodley knows for those reasons he's still going to be an attractive offer. I don't know. I I almost see it flipped in a sense, meaning if this had been the Tommy Fury fight and Jake Paul had put forth what he did, which was kind of a smart boxing performance, you'd go, okay, he outboxed an actual boxer. But when he's going in there with an MMA fighter who's older and doesn't have the same boxing experience, although, you know, with the questions that we didn't know coming in, we didn't know if Woodley was just going to come in there and have better hands and and movement and all that. I almost feel like you kind of have to knock this guy out to keep the same level of, of, of excitement going with the train. Because, Luke, unless you believe that this bubble has nine lives like a, like a future champion, Kevin Lee, I don't know how many more times you, you can keep not delivering the boom at the end to keep that casual base satisfied. And you know that the casual base is what sells all pay-per-views in the long run for the most part, or at least pay-per-views that go up you know, at or over the million mark. But certainly in this type of fight, it's, it's heavy marketing at those same casuals. I don't know, man. I don't know. I wonder if going for a knockout and getting knocked out trying it would have been better for the overall bubble here, setting up a rematch. Now I don't see the the hook of the rematch, and I think Team Paul is going to have to get really creative in finding the perfect opponent next that satisfies all those those things that say he's moving closer to legitimacy. Hmm. Yeah, the only thing I would say is, I, I had a similar feel, and I still do. Like, at some point, you know, people have to be like, wow, did you see the fight? The fight was great. I don't think anyone's really saying that. At least not, I mean, so, some have, but, not, you know, it's not like it wasn't an overwhelming, like, wow, that fight was amazing, even though it did have moments of tension. And obviously, Woodley was, I think we can both agree, probably robbed of a knockdown. But the one thing I would say is, it's like, dude, Floyd's fights weren't exciting for a long time. <laughs> people kept buying them. Um, you know, I, obviously, there's a million, I get it, there's a million differences with Floyd, but at the same time, dude, everyone was like, you know, his critics would be like, don't give him money, he's just going to do the same thing he always does, and then people still do it. Again, it, you know, it's the highest, 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 highest end of the of the spectrum for the most part, uh, you know, the, the Logan fight notwithstanding, but he did face a lot of those criticisms, and it never really seemed to affect... Yeah, but there's a major difference. His his hard lean into making his the pursuit of the undefeated record and besting Rocky Marciano and all that, that was a big part of the selling. He was also more polarizing than Jake Paul at his best in terms of knowing how to pull the money out of people's wallets to hopefully see him lose in the trash talk and the TBE and all that. Not to mention that that's real boxing where that's sort of allowed where you can have a skill set in that avenue and it can still be respected and even marketable. I'm going to ask you, Luke, is there room in the celebrity bubble for actual boxing? I don't think there is. I think the celebrity bubble is by nature foundationally a shit show, and it needs the threat of a knockout. It's sort of, it's the same thing I said about XFL or any fo- football league that's not, not the top of the end professional. If you don't have vibrant personalities or over-the-top violence or crazy rules that increase scoring, you have second-rate football. In the celebrity boxing bubble, if you got okay boxers, you have second-rate boxing. People want slugfests. They'll pay for the shit show if they're going to get a slugfest. That's all I'm saying for the long-term marketability of this bubble. You got to go after it. And maybe that means getting really careful in your matchmaking, bringing in guys who 
still have a threat, but you know will bring it and get themselves knocked out in the process. Maybe that's what you have to do. Woodley was almost too good in that regard, but yet not good enough to win it. It's 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 tough, Luke. You can't script these. It's not pro wrestling. You got it. You can build the fight up the best you can, and they did an amazing job. But when you mm. roll it out there, it's the fight that 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 gets you the next paycheck, though. At the end of the day, no. I, I, listen, I'm in. I'm I, I'm saying these things about Floyd almost rhetorically, and I don't know that I believe them. But I, I I'm always trying to check ourselves. Where, Before we wreck um, ourselves. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, also so that, you know, our biases about what we like and what we think is important, you know, may not may not really matter in the larger marketplace. The fact that it's boring seems to me, or not, you know, boring might be a strong word. It, 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 you know, wasn't thrilling. For us, that seems like it's a limiting factor. Maybe for the public, it's not. I don't know. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have to end up seeing. I tend to think you're right. I tend to think that's exactly what's going to happen. But um, only time will tell. All right, let's move on and get rid of that for just a second if we can and get yo, back get to some Get that shit out of here, yo. Get that out of yo, here. We're done. We're done. Uh, let's go to topic number three. Not the biggest topic, but pretty dang good in terms of what it sets up. So now we know exactly what's going to happen with UFC 268. We're going to get um, a lot of different stuff on it. First of all, Kamaru Usman taking on Colby Covington will be your main event for the UFC welterweight title. Banger. Can't wait for it. Your co-main, Rose Namajunas versus Zhang Li too. They're going to run that one back, which I don't necessarily love, but I kind of get. I don't hate the fight, you know, in terms of, hey, Rose is going to fight Wei Lee. Don't you like that on those simple terms? Yes, of course I do. And let me read the rest of the card here. By the way, this will take place, I believe, at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler, which is going to be a three-rounder, not a five. Sean Strickland taking on Luke Rockhold. Frankie Edgar versus Chito Vera. Jermaine Duran to me versus Irene Aldana, which is, by the way, a sleeper fight if it was ever was one. And then Al Iaquinta is back, taking on Bobby Green. Dude, what can you say about this card and, of course, the championship fights other than completely fucking stacked? Yo, this card, and did you mention the actual news that it's Rose Namajunas, Zhang Wei yes. Li, too, as the co-main yes. event? I mean, yes. this card is, like, <laughs> is awesome. And and I love it, Luke, because, you know, I, I grew up... 90 minutes from New York City, the the you know Madison Square Garden to me, anything at the Garden is still the biggest thing you can do. Concert, circus, hockey game, fight, whatever. So when UFC commits to making the MSG cards, especially after all those years of MMA being banned in New York, it gets me fired up that that is a major, right? Like golf majors, UFC has majors, right? You know, you have you have IFW weekend, you've got New Year's Eve weekend, and you got this MSG card. So it's freaking loaded. So, Luke, if I'm Canelo, by the way, who's also going this night against Caleb Plant in Las Vegas, I don't know, man. I mean, look, it's a different scenario than when Ke- than Canelo fought Sergey Kovalev on DAZN, and they made that very controversial decision to delay the main event by, like, 90 minutes so that the BMF fight could take place in Madison Square Garden on the UFC pay-per-view. And, you know, we saw Canelo and Kovalev with their feet up on the couch. I mean, it was embarrassing. I watched the BMF fight from the Canelo Arena that night at the MGM Grand. So I'm almost, if you're Canelo, I, I mean, you don't want to move nights because that's a, uh, and the reason why I say it'd be different from DAZN because DAZN's not doing the fight. It's going to be a PBC uh, pay-per-view either on Showtime or, or, or on Fox. Um, I don't know, Luke, do you start at a different time? You can't be going head-to-head with this like this. I mean, this is a loaded card to the level of, what do you think the, de- the decision-making was by the UFC to put Rose Whaley to when there was a storyline for Rose and Cookie Monster in the rematch of the inaugural women's strawweight title fight. 
And that's a fight. I think, you know, even though Esparza is coming off a great win and she's on a great run, I think that's a fight you're going to believe Rose would win at this level and still set up this fight anyway. What do you think the decision-making is when this card's already stacked to just break glass and go, screw it, we're doing Rose Whaley too right now? I tend to think for maybe the same reason they ran back Rose and uh, JJ. You know, like you, whatever you got that first time just wasn't representative of what the broader fight should be. Not that the result would change, but that, you know, listen, this was her first fight after the pandemic. She had to travel further than anybody. There was a lot of situations even there where she had to kind of accommodate things. She was getting booed in the arena, you know, and she got hit with a head kick or whatever it was. I, I have to go back and look, but... um you know, you just didn't get you didn't get the fight you were supposed to get, even though Rose might like I'm going to pick Rose this time to win. Like, I, I tend to think that's just the way it's going to go. So their part might be that I think they just, you know, it's a bigger fight internationally. Obviously, if um, if if Zhang Weili can get back on the horse and she can win, you know, obviously it, re it it restarts everything that they're trying to build in the Chinese market. Not that every single fight hinges on what they need to do and what they can do, but you know, just getting back with a you know, oh let's 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 reconstitute our efforts and let's have a UFC champion behind us to do it makes a big big difference. Obviously, in entering that market, so you can't overlook that a point. Reasons for, and listen, listen. What are I don't you want your answer. I don't want your answer to be China. Last thing, last thing, last thing. It, 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 this isn't the way that fights should be made, but we know sometimes they are made this way. For all the other reasons I mentioned, on top of it, just what's a better fight? Rose versus uh, uh, Zhang Weili 2 or Rose versus Esparza 2? I mean, it's an easier call. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it has a chance to make this card, all, which already is epic on paper. I mean, Usman Covington was a four-and-a-half-round you know, fight of the year when it happened. Gaethje Chandler, I don't care if it's one round, Luke. It's going to be the best fight of the night. There's so many storylines. But the answer probably is China. And I don't think we should ever look past the marketing you know, concerns, and we don't. You know, That's probably the answer. But, hey, great fight. Maybe it plays out like Rose Joanna too, where the first one ended you know, quickly and, and, and powerfully, but the second one was more representation of how evenly matched this is and their strengths and weaknesses. So we'll see. Um, back quickly to that Canelo point, Luke. We don't even know which network is going to put that on, so it's hard to really get a gauge. But what do you think is the responsive, the responsible move? Just go head-to-head -head and say, look, we're different sports. We believe in our product. And look, Canelo trying to become an undisputed champion against an undefeated fighter who's got a certain level of marketing like Caleb Plant. It's a great fight. Do you put it on earlier? Do you start the pay-per-view at 7 p.m.? Do you put it on later, Luke? Do you go another day? What do you do? I tend to think you maybe could put it on slightly earlier, but then you begin to mess with your West Coast audiences. I just think if you're promoting Canelo versus Caleb Plant, you have to ask yourself, how many people are looking at their wallet and saying, well, it's either going to be Canelo versus Plant or it's going to be UFC 268? I think it's very few people, to be quite honest with you. There is overlap between MMA and boxing audiences, especially in ways that there never used to be. But they're lined up in certain cases along the Jake Paul thing. Or, hey, let's pay attention to what Clarissa Shields is doing. It's less about, um, you know, I actually like both in an equal way and don't know how to apportion my dollars. The media can be distinct. The fan base can be distinct. Certainly the location in this particular case is distinct. There's enough reasons to think that, yes, running head-to-head -head is not necessarily the best thing to do. But you're talking about the number, of pound, number one pound-for-pound -pound guy in boxing trying to unify a weight class 
and on the other side of the country is just a bunch of MMA fighters, and they're very, very good. I don't mean to demean them. I just mean to say, if you're Canelo, that's kind of divorced from your universe to a pretty strong degree. So while I do think they should try and squeeze in the result or have the main event start long before the UFC's main event starting, and if they get a five-round fight in the co-main, in the women's fight, then they get that, uh, you know, no, no problem. But other than that, I, I think it's just full steam ahead, to be honest with you. Yes, it's no? tough. I mean, it's always a tough decision to say either we know we're competing against other big combat events, so let's not go the same night, or at some point you just say, we have a great product, we're here, whatever. I don't know. I, I, It's the selfish fan and journalist in me who doesn't want to compete against both, wants to watch both with the same you know, eyes in, in the moment, but uh, I, I kind of wish the biggest, you know, when Canelo fights, it is arguably the biggest fight of the year. I wish it wouldn't go head-to-head with a UFC card that also could say it's the biggest card of the year. I mean, that was your initial question, Luke. Is this the best fight card on paper UFC's put out this year? Yeah, yeah it's, right? It's up there. If yeah. it's not, I, I've struggled to, to understand what could be number one. This is a very, very, very thorough, really good fight card. All right. Let's move very quickly. Not a big topic. Um, not a whole lot to say about it, but there was some interesting things that happened last night for topic number four on Dana White's uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series. It is back. Um, this is the beginning of a new season. There were some winners. There were some losers. I'll get to them in just a second, BC. First things first, though, we did have a little bit of history last night. Laura Sanko served not just as a commentator, but as a color commentator. And it's hard to know exactly how... Uh, to. It's hard to describe exactly what how historically significant this is because... The only woman to fully commentate a UFC event was UFC 1 Kathy Long, who, by the way, is now 2-0 and in MMA, although she's obviously a little bit older, but was a decorated martial artist. Since then, no woman has touched a UFC broadcast in terms of being in that booth. Now, obviously, the Contender Series is not part of the pay-per-view Fight Night lineage, but that's a UFC-promoted event. Everyone who wins, basically, not quite, but basically, the last two seasons anyway, ends up getting uh, a UFC contract. She not only commentated, she did ring announcing and yeah. post-fight interviews. But I got to say, dude, it is it is high time that we had some women commentators. Laura Senko has deserving of this opportunity. She is an excellent broadcaster, and uh, I have nothing but congratulations for her. We're all richer for her analysis. First of all, to juggle all those roles, I was like, she's ring announcing? What? Like that, you know, there's specific, you know, voices you need and, and mindsets you need to be able to do all those roles. So I'll shout it out. And then obviously, as you mentioned, we've seen women, you know, Megan O'Leary's fantastic. We've seen uh, Karen Bryan and, uh, and who's the other one, Luke, the, She's fan. She's great. She Heidi Andral. Heidi Andral, who I was going to say, who works for uh, PBC on Fox and also does ESPN uh, UFC, and then had the famous meme during the Ronda Rousey Strike Force interview, which was a great moment in uh, MMA history. But to be able to actually break down fights, which is what a collar commentator does, Luke, um, this was a step up. It was, you know, historical, as you mentioned. Even though it's like it's just crazy that you pre, you know. Pre-Zufa, it's already been done. I mean, UFC 1, it's already been done. It's like you forget Long ever did that, you know? I mean, forget Jim Brown ever did that, for crap's sake. But I think the best compliment I can say is this, Luke. Um, the the thing you're going to judge the most critically of somebody in this spot, where there's a lot of pressure and it's, you know, sort of a historic moment, is, you know, can she actually break down the fights? I think the best thing she showed last night was her ability mid-fight to break down what's going on. And obviously, you know, it's different compared to others who could have this role because Laura has a fighting background. But I thought she was absolutely fantastic in breaking down the stances and the openings and all of that. I mean, some of the other things that come with that job, the timing, the banter, 
some of that only, you know, you're only going to get better with experience. But the most important thing you you bring as a color commentator is the ability to see the action in front of you and relay, whether in expert terms or whether in simple terms for the for the non-educated audience to understand what's happening. And I thought she did a great job with that. So a uh, big moment for Laura Senko, and she delivered, Luke. It was great to see. Just the only thing I want to say is I'm not one of these guys who's going to lecture the audience. Like, you need to make sure that you have a checklist of every different you know, gender and racial identity and background and age. And you have someone from every one of those who's constantly giving you information. Like, I don't, I just don't think that's realistic. But what I will say is what someone put a challenge to me one time, which was make a list of all forever, whatever sport you consume, whether it's MMA or football, whatever, make a list of all the podcasts that are in your rotation on your phone, make a list of all the authors you go to make a list of all the commentators who are your favorite, put them all on a piece of paper and then go down the list and see how many are women. And I did that, and I had almost none. I had almost none. All the, all the guys I read were, of course, guys. All my podcasts were hosted by guys. Whatever. It was just constantly all the way down. There's nothing wrong with those guys doing their best effort. But I just mean to say, like, the women play a pretty big role in the UFC at this point. There's no good reason why there's asymmetry between that and then how many are serving in commentary roles. I get there's not very many commentary roles. They're hard to get. But I'm just pointing out, it can't always be true that only the guys do the very, very best job. It's just, it's not possible. So when you begin to rotate in fresher faces across, you know, all these different lines, this particular case, a gender line, you're, you're casting a wider net of getting the best available talent. And Laura Senko obviously is the first, uh, hopefully uh, among many. But if you've ever been out there, Audit yourself. See what you do. And I was shocked. I didn't even think of it on those terms. And and so now I'm trying to be a little bit more conscious of casting a wider net out there. But you know, I don't think many MMA fans have female voices in their ear telling them about technique. And I think it's actually pretty important. And Laura Sango does a great job. Now, as it well, relates hold on, hold to on. the... Real, real quick. You know, I sure. had forgotten. I always forget that she was a fighter. And I, maybe that's a, a nod to how well she does in some of those like hosting, presenting roles where... You know that that background isn't necessarily, uh, you know, a prerequisite. Um, she is one and zero as a professional. Luke, did you see her fight in 2013 at Invicta FC four against Casey Rob or Cassie Rob? Excuse me. I mean, did you? Why did her career end? Do you know anything about that? I know she was uh, she got four and one as pregnant. an amateur. She got pregnant. Okay. And she had a kid, and so everything just kind of turned after that. But she didn't want to give up what she was doing, and uh, you know, listen, they put her in those roles. Listen, if you get a role. Uh, doing the kind of hosting thing as you imagined for UFC, that's still a great accomplishment. There's nothing in any way, um, you know, wrong. That they're 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 limited too, and they're hard to get. And she's good at that. But like, you know, you just have to ask yourself: Is that what she's best suited for? I don't think so. I think what she's best suited for is analytical work. Um, we're just not accustomed to hearing women in our ear say things like "Hey, good stance" or blah blah blah, whatever it may be. And and I think it's high time that we. Uh, you know, get rid of some of that asymmetry between how, how important they are as fighters and then what kind of role they play as commentators we, or analysts. Can we send a quick shout-out on the boxing side a couple weeks back? I don't think we even mentioned it on the show, but Top Rank had a card uh, where they had two women calling the international feed of the broadcast. Mm. And it was Christina Poncher, who does great work calling, uh, you know, undercards for ES Top Rank on ESPN and the international broadcast. And they brought in Michaela Mayer, who's an unbeaten uh, championship female fighter. And uh, that was great to see as well, Luke. I mean, it's, Yeah, no it's, doubt about it. Um, it's high time, from the results themselves, BC, I'm not sure if you saw any of this. It, I it was, did. It was an okay. Yeah, it was an okay. For me, the two standouts were AJ Fletcher with that unbelievable, well-timed flying knee. I loved it, and his whole fam went crazy back there. They had footage of it, which was great. But the big one for me was the guy, the guy who really stood out was Azamat Mirzakhanov. 
Uh, he defeated Mateus Scheffel a first round three minutes in. Dude, he set up his punches brilliantly. This guy is ten and zero. I thought Dana White was right. He could go down to one eighty five, even though at two hundred five, he's still a hammer. But he's a uh, hammer. Man, these Russians, there are just so many of them, and they're all so good. Dude, I mean, can, can we do a, a tough season at the Schmesh Factory now? Because uh, I think it's <laughs> it's high time for that, Luke. Um, that was a hell of a performance. I mean, it was sort of like you you look at the matchup, and you know, no disrespect to his opponent, who is uh, uh, Scheffel, as you mentioned. But like you sort of looked at that matchup, you go, oh, oh, the, the Russian guy's going to hammer him, and he did exactly that. So that's a big win in the main event of this card on a, on a big you know platform in the first episode of this season. But AJ Fletcher, man, with that backstory coming from Lafayette, Louisiana, and you know how hard that area, Luke, of the country just got hit by the by the hurricane, and to be able to get that spectacular of a win that was heavy on spinny shit and the celebration and the passion. Um, I want to see more of that guy, and you know. Look, sometimes we we tie in the fighter pay conversation to to this series because it produces just batshit hungry people looking to go get finishes to impress Dana. And sometimes the the Brendan Lochnans fit slip through the cracks where they get a win, but Dana doesn't think they were aggressive enough and doesn't get a contract. Luke, how about this? Four fights on last night's show. Five fighters got a contract, including mm-hmm. the loser of that flyweight three round fight between uh, Victor. Altamirano and Carlos Candeliero. Um, that was good to see. Do you think that's because, though, of the, the the COVID uncertainty and just having more hands on deck, especially people that don't make a lot of money, can fill up some of these cards? Luke, or am I being ultra cynical here? No, I don't think so. I mean, the, the reality is they were giving. I mean, basically, if you won last season, which again was in the middle, the middle, middle, middle of the pandemic, whatever stage we're in now. They were, if you won, they were just handing out contracts because they just need to fill the roster um, for turnover. I, I think you're going to get some of that. Uh, Candelario also, you know, listen, that was a tough fight. It was a split decision loss. It wasn't like he got run over by any stretch of the imagination. They're looking for guys in certain weight classes and certain numbers. You know, and he passed the test. I don't really have any issue with it. The one I did not like was the Brito and Lopez fight. Dude. If you guys didn't see it, both guys seem to be uh, good fighters. You could give them a contract or not. Brito got one. It's fine. But Diego Lopez got poked in the eye three times, uh, more than that, maybe even four times, but at least two times before the fight, en- well, yeah, the fight ending eye poke, he was warned by the referee, Chris Tagnoni, and the referee not only just said, like, you know, watch with your hands, blah, blah, blah. There was one point where he stopped the fight to warn the guy, yo, watch out with your fucking hands where you're putting them. In the third round, he then pokes the guy in the eye, Diego Lopez. They have to stop the fight. He can't continue. Now, Tyone took a point because at that point, if it goes to the third round, you have to go to the judges' scorecards. But there wasn't much time in the round. First of all, 32 seconds had expired, so you didn't get to see hardly shit. He Then he got poked. It's like, let me get this straight. This guy poked another person in the eye so many times that the other guy couldn't continue, and he ends up winning a result as a consequence. I understand that you don't want to set up a situation where if you get eye poked and the guy just pretends that he is worse than he is, that you just award him the win. I'm happy to call it a no contest or or you know, I would actually argue Brito probably deserves a disqualification here. But just, I understand why the rules are set up the way they are, but it creates weird-ass results like this where Brito ends up just poking the guy enough where he can't fight anymore and then he gets his fucking hand raised. Not okay with that rule. I don't like it at all. And then he gets a contract, Luke. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Lopez did not get a contract. I'm like, you know, yeah. You know, you Under- lost out on four and a half minutes of the most critical fight of your life, maybe because the other guy kept poking you in the fucking eye. Like, 
Yeah, he that's left, not a good rule. He left Lopez underwater. Dicey situation there. But uh, Brito gets the nod, gets the contract, and we move on, Luke, on this I, great I, show. I know, I know what you did there. I know what you did there. I just want to say it out loud. I know what you did there. All right, let's move to the last and final topic. Just a set of quick hitters, <laughs> who, who the Who the fuck is John Africa, bro? All right, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, let's go to our quick hitters now, if we can. Uh, a bunch of these, but we'll get to the first one that's uh, pretty easy to digest. BC loves this shit. I'm so out on it, I don't care. We've got some tweets about it. Let's see them here. Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz just going after each other on Twitter. BC, you were texting me, frothing at the mouth no, last night no, like a rabid no. dog. I was Walk just us like, this. Hey. What is so important about these two killing each other on Twitter? Okay, I was just like, hey, wake up to this. It's not one or two tweets. It's like 38 of them, and this is heating up a bit. Maybe we should work it into the show, Luke, okay? Not have not have me have to design some Wheel of Death segment to get it in there. But, Luke, it got aggressive, and it was it started off with – I don't know what it started off with. I know ESPN MMA account put out a, uh, you know, hey, remember when Connor versus uh, – uh, Nate and Nate started talking trash back to it. Uh, maybe we can blow up some of these tweets to get a feel for the take here. Uh, uh, Gaff or Manich, a great folks who work on this show. Yeah, Connor mentioning that uh, he's adding 30 pounds of muscle to say ding ding. Nate saying, bro, you can't walk or fight right now. Why are you talking shit? Well, it kept escalating. If we can keep advancing the slides here. Um, Connor's like, who can't come through and see you, little skinny fool? You'd be smacked up and rolled up, you bum. Callis mine? Callie's mine? Callie's mine, like California. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about here. Yeah, it's Social Justice Wednesday. This is where BC tries to decode uh, hip talk on Twitter. Nah, bitch, says Nate, you should have learned how to not break your leg when I checked your shit and you crutched out of the fight with me. And how are you going to fight me when you can't run for your life this time with your broken ass? You lost the last fight and ran for the hills just like Kebab. You're a pussy, too. All right. I love how Dana White, excuse me, not Dana White. Nate Diaz never calls Habib Habib. It's always kebab every time. Yes, and he brought an interesting point. Connor did use movement in boxing in that second fight to be able to survive, although he was obviously very good with his hands. Um, But there were some down moments of stamina dumps for Connor where he really had to, man. He had to get on his horse. Um, It continues. Is there any other juicy ones here? Uh, Manish, so we can roll to Nate says that means I'm the double triple champ of this whole shit. Fuck all you pussies. Yeah. Uh, into the belly, says Connor, when I get you. All right, this is getting lame now. But the whole point is this, Luke. Um, oh, hey, here's Nate. P.S. You jump ship on your country, bitch. Go home. You don't got any friends. All right. That's Nate saying, I still reside in the 209, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude, okay. I don't give a fuck about any. All right, stuff. Luke. The point of this is this, okay? The point of me bringing this, and there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of them. Uh, there's a bunch of them, okay? Oh, wait, go back to that last one. Nate loves saying kebab. Uh, dude, you know, he only says kebab. It's so I insulting. Mean, he did slap kebab in front of his team, right? <laughs> dude, I like how he takes that as like a win. I'm Yo, like, he I'm takes. Not even sure, he actually made contact with him for for starters and. More to the point, it's like, you know, dude, Habib would do bad things to Nate Diaz, but okay, you know. Yo, he takes Poirier pulling out of that fight at MSG, even though, to Poirier's point, Nate and the UFC weren't getting, you know, weren't making headway on the contract, so Dustin was just sort of like, I'm going to move on. He takes those as wins, Luke, so he is undefeated. All right, here's the point of me bringing you down this road, is to say this. I'm starting to feel like, because of everything Conor has been publicly since the the second straight loss to, to Poirier, which is 
emotional, like bitter. I mean, he's been running the full gamut of emotions that probably come with a big name fighter coming off a loss and a serious injury. Just most people don't broadcast it 24 seven with Twitter videos and riding around on a bicycle and all that, Luke. But the full gamut, I think, has has kind of softened us even more uh, to like what Connor can actually be when he comes back, the intensity of this injury, all that shit. I think Poirier is going in the direction of the title, and I think he should. And yes, I know at any point Connor can get healthy enough to come back, and the UFC just goes, "Hey, Poirier's the champ. Let's milk what's left to Connor, and we'll run it back a fourth time." I know that can happen, but I'm starting to think, Luke, that maybe the UFC is starting to think here. That cashing in that lottery ticket, which is Diaz McGregor 3, which has been around now for five years, and we've always said they'll they'll get to it eventually, right? When they're both older and coming off losses and it's the only fight left. Tell me if I'm wrong here, Luke. This might actually be the UFC's smartest move here. Okay? Yes, if Poirier's... I think so. I think it is. This might be the smartest move because this is a rivalry where the wins and losses don't really matter entering in. And this might be Connor's best chance, being that he's already proven he can beat Nate, to revive his brand in a way. Do you remember when Chuck Liddell's crazy losing streak that ended his career had that one stop in between when he beat Vanderlei in an absolute war? And we're sort of like, oh, Chuck's not done. This could give Connor that opportunity, Luke, to buy another giant payday. But I'm losing confidence every day that Connor can come back and still be Connor. So maybe if you're UFC, this is what we're doing when he gets back, when he's ready. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I mean, is it? I know Nate just put out a video of Luke calling him out with like a fist emoji. What the hell do you gain if you're Nate Diaz by fighting or beating Luke? I mean, unless they're saying Title if shot, you beat him, maybe? you get Dustin. Unless that's what they're saying, right? If you beat him, you get the title shot against the Dustin Oliveira winner. But I don't think they're doing that shit, man. No, they don't want to give him a belt at all. You know, so yeah, I, this is to me. It's this fight makes a lot of sense right now for both guys, and uh, the public wants it. I think it's a well matched fight. We know it's a well matched fight. They're good rivals for one another. It's it's a great fight to make, and I just don't want to see Connor come back. If Dust, Dustin or Charles, like it's not that those fights can't be good or exciting or worthwhile, but like, man, you just you should not be in a title fight, Conor McGregor. You just should not be. And maybe, maybe you yeah. listen, you get a win over somebody big, hey, totally different story. But like right away into a title fight, I'm just not okay with it. So and look, the if Nate he fight beats to me is much better. And if he beat him, Luke, that would, given his celebrity status, that would kind of justify him getting back into another title fight, right? Like it wouldn't work for everyone, yeah, yeah, but probably, probably. 
All right, let's go through some of these other hitters here real quick so we can move. Hold on, Luke, because I'm not in any rush here, and I know you don't want to talk about this, but um, do you think who do you think has the advantage five years later entering into a third fight? Is it Nate? Is Nate the betting favorite here? I would say Connor actually. I think Connor should be. I think Nate has declined as well. Like we put a huge magnifying glass up to Connor's mistakes and shortcomings. Um, which we should. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because, listen, he is the biggest name and you're going to get the most amount of scrutiny as a consequence. Some of that unfair, but a lot of it not. Nate's a huge name, but I don't think, you know, he's not had the same outside the cage troubles and, and he's well-liked and he's a bit of an iconoclast. But, dude, Nate's long in the tooth and he's had a lot of damage and a lot of time off. I don't think he's the same fighter he once was at his peak either, which... Which isn't to say that either is bad. Both are still great, but they're not what they once were. And I think um, Connor, to me, despite all his troubles, I still think that if he can just manage his cardio, that's a fight. And that's a big if. But if he can do that, that's still a very winnable fight for him. And he's not getting taken down. There's no dusty bitches taking anyone down there. Uh, Luke, in closing on this topic, and this will really upset you, but Diego Sanchez had a run of tweets yesterday which Mm. said he was going to go to BKFC, said he wanted to challenge BJ Penn to a rematch at BKFC. I'm not going to ask your take on that. Said he turned down an offer from the devil to sell his soul. And then insinuated that in 2009, Conor McGregor received that same offer only to accept it. Luke, does that explain the whole Mystic Mac run in 2015 and 16 when he just defied believability and kept winning in such crazy and unthinkable ways? I am not going to talk shit about Diego Sanchez. I wish him nothing but the best. I mean, you're into, like, pseudo-satanic rock. I mean, is there a connection there, Luke? <laughs> I'm not into satanic rock. None of the rock I'm into is in any way religious. Okay. Okay. It is I guess I guess we got to right. bring back the wheel of death to get you to really care about the, the important stuff out there, okay? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I like, like that. All right. Uh, real quick. Nunez versus Pena rescheduled for UFC 269 BC. Any reaction? Uh, that'll be December 11th, like that. Also on that card, we've got Cody Garbrandt against Kai Kara France. And Luke, just today, we are finding out that Montana De La Rosa versus Macy Barber at Women's Flyweight, also on that December 11th card. Give me some of that, bro. Give me that shit. That's pretty good. Uh, Mike Perry tells Ariel Hawani that after therapy and fatherhood, he still has anger inside, but feels like a changed man. Is he a changed man? Not so much better for humanity, but better for cage fighting. I mean, if he if he was a change man, if this is true, yeah, I think this could help him focus more and, and figure out what's left of him. I, I have huge concerns and fears, Luke, that he's he's headed to the full time BKFC route because I just haven't seen positives in his career. Um, did you see that video that they that the Perry family posted where Coach Latori was holding Ocean and then she tripped over something and she fell on her back. She took a hard back bump, but she kept. She kept Ocean elevated so he didn't take any uh, hit. That was, you know, well done there by... by uh, I did that once. I was carrying my kid in the uh, carrier, the, the child, the car seat, but when I was taking her to the car, and I slipped in mud, and I landed and put the car yes. seat right on top of my chest like a fucking hero that I yep. was. I um, slipped down the stairs with a baby with one of my sons once, Luke, and I my my back bounced off as I as I held little little uh, Isaac, not Ocean, but little Isaac up the whole way, okay? It's still, it's a, it's a mythic feat that I that I did that day. Uh, I kept the baby alive, so that was great. JDS is looking for a boxing fight, but says he has no takers because everyone is scared. BC, is is that really the reason he doesn't have any takers? Um, You know, I, yeah, I mean, 
Nobody cares. I mean, nobody wants this. JDS is, is probably like a good candidate for a crossover boxing match, but like who's going to cash that in? The heavyweight boxing dis division itself is like hot. So unless Mike Tyson's looking to fight JDS, which he's not going to be. So like, I don't know, Luke. I mean, who the hell is he going to fight? Frank Mir? No one wants that shit. Uh, I'm going to skip the BJ Penn one because it's dumb. And then I'm going to go to this last one. BC, did you see who Triller announced up? Announced, excuse me, as the music lineup for the Belfort de la Hoya fight. No, I was focused on BJ Penn being upset at Jake Paul for licking the blood off his gloves, which is, uh, that's yeah. rich. Yeah, that's rich. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's who they have. They have the Snoop Dogg's going to be on it, but of course he's the part owner. They've well, he's got doing a the, duet with Marvin Gaye, right? Even though he's dead? Well, Marvin Gaye is dead, so they're going to do it with, I believe, his son. Um, and uh, that'll be bad. And then on top of it, they've got Anita, who is apparently Brazil's most famous pop star. I guess like she's like Shusha. They have Lunai, Puerto Rico's chart-topping next-generation reggaeton star. I mean, I guess that would be more like Bad Bunny. And then one of my favorites, got a, a, a duo that gets a lot of rotations in this household, Gente de Zona. Um, they have a song called Gozadera, which is, you know, uh, it's a big one here. So they're up there. Wow. They're, they do reggaeton. It's a, they're Cuban. Yeah, I, I that's this I, like you're speaking another language to me, Luke. I, I, they have I a song know. with Mark Anthony. Um, is it by by Lamos? Let the rhythm take you over. Yeah, La Gozadera is the name of the video, which basically means like party. Um, by the way, here's how you know that they're all better than us. Like people from Latin America are better than partying. They've got 50 different words for the word party. I don't know if you know that. A gazillion different words for it. Gozadera is one of them. So, okay. there you go. Um, I'll be All talking right, BC. To, I'll be talking to Oscar De La Hoya today for Morning Combat, so check that out. That should get sloppy and interesting, Luke, okay? Okay. Um, that should be really interesting. I actually am looking forward to that. But, BC, it's now the time I hand over the reins of the show to you because we have to do fan submissions. Wow, long time coming for this. Combat at gmail.com is your depository for all of your fan shit. We got a lot of them today, Luke. At some point, it may have to be like that hook at the uh, at the Apollo Theater where you're just like, I've had enough submissions, BC. That's it. But uh, for now, we've got mail. Boom, there it is. Fan subs. Yeah. All right, Luke. This is going to start off with Pat M, who has three photos. He says, hey, Luke and BC, my brother and I went out west to RV around Colorado and Utah for two weeks. But more importantly, we went out there to spread the MK gospel. Even my 275-pound brother hiked 10 miles and climbed through a waterfall to take this second picture at Sky Pond at Rocky Mountain National Park just to spread the BDE from two Philly hooligans. We appreciate what you do to get us through the pandemic Keep, keep up the great work, blah, blah, blah. Also, we have to get some resume review curse merch around Halloween this year. It's a great idea. I'm going to reach out to Krupp, our merch master, Luke, and see if uh, Pat M's ideas can come forward. But, hey, shout out to these grown men for going out to the, to the desert, Luke, going out to the national parks and repping what we do. I hope they run into Bill and Jen when they're out there. Yeah, this is a weird duo because the guy on the left – is definitely posing in a way where he wants you to know he works out. Yeah. And the guy on the right is probably under federal indictment for January 6th activities. Amazing. <laughs> 
he put his feet up on Pelosi's desk, and now he's holding our merch out at Zion National Park. All right, Julio R. is here. He says, hey, Luke in BC, this is Julio from Moreno Valley, Cali. Wanted to show off my garage gym and see what you think. I've got a treadmill, a cycling bike, an elliptical cast iron weight, and also a power rack. Luke, does this man have a nice rack? No, he doesn't. Oh, the rack is okay, but... Uh, BC, what is messier, this room or my hotel room from Cleveland? <laughs> the one that you solicited me in to do room service diaries. Uh... I'll never forget, BC walked in and it was, I mean, it was it was a disaster of epic proportions. But BC walked in, I'll never forget what you said. Do you remember the first words that you said to me when I opened no. the door? No. You I go, don't. I can't work in these conditions. <laughs> Every. Everything you owned was on the floor in some form, Luke. It was just as if you walked in and just threw it all out there. It was great. Basically, basically. Uh, You know what? The rack itself bought by the water heater. I mean, this man is getting it. He's thugging it out hardcore. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. You can do a lot with a basic rack like that. And and it looks like it's bolted to either the wall or the ground, which is perfect because you can do heavier loads. The rest of this, you know, you can just set fire to it and collect the insurance money. Well, don't set fire to that MK Merch uh, 1.0 sweatshirt there. Looking good right there. All right, Tim B slides in, says, Hey, guys, I just want to say I took this photo a couple weeks ago during the 4th of July mailbag episode. I got Luke's live chat today, and his opening truly inspired me to finally submit this. That's my daughter named Marlo, and that's Luke trying to teach her how to count. She's a bit confused, but I really appreciate the help. You voicing your gratitude and speaking about your daughter in the opening of your live chat on August 5th inspired me to share this. Big fan of you guys. Your humor and chemistry are top-notch. He's going to vote for us. And also, uh, he watches the show when at work so that his daughter doesn't hear you guys talking about porn. Like I said, this was the holiday mailbag. Jack B. from L.A. Looks good. And I got to say, well, does this say Tim O. on the photo? Um, Tim B. Tim B. Yeah, I said Jack B. Well, he no, he's he sent it. He signed it. Jack B. I don't know. Maybe this guy's got two alien, two personalities. Luke. Okay. All Either right. way, cute kid. And I used to have that thing. My daughter used to sit in that exact same thing when uh, she was younger. So brings now, back memories, it, man. Wouldn't it be ironic, Luke, if you sold the one you had at like a tag sale and it made it all the way to Cali to this guy Tim, and he was using the same one that your daughter was in, and he had no idea. Yes. I mean, that's a little too ironic, right? Next. Really, okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, Jason W. says, to Luke and BC, thanks for keeping me enjoyed through my boring ass day. Been watching you, Luke, for a long time. Hey, BC, you're also the shit. Hey, thanks, Jason. Looking good in that uh, hoodie and hat from the MK folks. This dude probably goes to like the Sonic drive through with this fucking thing on. It's like, bro. Take it easy. We're just ordering, you know, Oreo shakes. You don't have to have the Punisher logo everywhere you go. Luke, do you think he wore that in this photo just to solicit a uh, capital step storming reference from you? Probably. Is it possible? Yeah. I, can't, I can't go back to that well on every photo, but, you know, yeah. he definitely is a good candidate for it. All right. Max B says, MK all day, every day, even in Alaska while out Holy photographing shit. bears. Luke, are they are they effing? They're fucking or fighting either way. Yeah, it's all the same. Shout out to this guy, Max. Nice with the MK beanie. I wonder if he knows Antoine, Luke. You know that six foot eight fellow who lives out there? That tall drink of water? No. Yeah. No, you don't know? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I got to say, dude, we have a disproportionate amount of listeners who are, are either in 
or go to Alaska. Have you noticed yes. that? Yes, we are last frontiermen just like them, Luke. We are doing something with this show that, you know, it's not easy. It's not recommended, right? The same thing in Alaska. People go out there to hide, Luke. All right? They got warrants against them. They got, you know, they got they got caught jerking off in a car in their hometown. They're like, I got to go somewhere where nobody knows my name, okay? I'm going to go probably, to some place where they can't find me for masturbating at a Wendy's. Probably what happened to Antoine, although we're a big fan of him. All right, Bruce B. slides in and says, Good morning, Luke and BC. Just a couple short weeks since they were last in town. My Whoa. brother, my brother who's pictured without sleeves, and my dad came back to Houston for 265. We made a whole weekend out of it, went to the weigh-ins. We stopped at the Black Beast mural, caught up with the Sugar Show, had front row seats in the balcony, no time for NASA. Naturally, we watched Friday's MK episode just in case any donks we crossed paths with needed the facts. I heard how much you love Houston, Luke, so I'm looking forward to one of those road shows when the opportunity arrives. I have zero Houston connections, but I'd put my barbecue sides and accoutrements up against anyone's keeping it frosty it's bruce steve and steve senior it's a nice american family right there luke it is and by the way so when i when i went back to the cleveland airport on monday to leave uh sean o'malley was in my same you know uh concourse but a little bit a little bit of a different gate and this was you know it wasn't early in the morning this was like 10 a.m or something but he looked to have be like majorly hungover and had a line of people at the gate trying to take pictures with him. So he is very popular. It's hard for him to hide when he's dressed like that, Luke. It is. It is. He had a hoodie on. He had a hoodie on, and his afro was kind of tucked into it. But yeah, they, they still spotted him a million miles away. All right, we got a fellow named Justo F. He's got two pictures. He moved to North Carolina in 2017, and because of the pandemic, he wasn't able to go back and visit for 19 months. Last mm. week, he was finally able to head back. In the first picture, he's repping MK while at Diggerland with his friend Dan. Uh, Diggerland? And in the second picture, he met up with a couple of Marines, Luke, that he served almost 20 years with. Super Fi, never die, motherfucker. Uh, we, are now, we were now in the defunct 1st Tank Battalion when we were part of the invasion of Iraq in 2003. I love the show. Wow. I had to upgrade to unlimited data because I was using up all my data streaming on your show. Thanks for everything, Semper Fi, Luke. It's Justo yeah, there. Fi Marines. Yeah. Yeah. How about those fine gentlemen, Luke? Well, the shitbird on the left is a uh, a Giants fan, I, I think. I mean, he doesn't. He keeps it very subtle. You can't quite tell, but uh, I'm teasing. But they all seem like great guys, and we appreciate their patronage, and I appreciate, of course, their service. Uh, Semper Fi, Ellis, to all the Marines out there. Yes, include yes, yes. No, no jokes, no jokes. Okay. Um, Aurelius B says, "Hey guys, as you can see, I was not at the Capitol riot, but I'm glad to add some mulatto melanin to your show. The shirt feels softer than expected, and it's good quality. Also, I'm a P1 fan from back when Dr. Salt and Pepper was just Pepper making guest appearances with Dana's favorite Canadian on the MMA beat, and I even remember when Luke confessed on his live chat that he was so stressed." that he was grinding his teeth in his sleep, which is why mm. I'm glad to see you and BC doing great things with the recognition you deserve. Much love, but I've got a PS for you, Luke. I never spoke ill of you on your show, yet I've been blocked on Instagram for the past three years. This is my last appeal. I feel like I've served my time. Please unblock me on Instagram. My handle is Aurelius92. Luke, does Aurelius. he deserve How it? am I going to spell that? A-U-R... E -L. Can, you, can, you, can you send it to me? Just send it to me. 
Yeah, I'll send that to you. Or maybe Mikey can shoot it out to you. Mikey, but, um, Mikey the producer, send it to me, please. Aurelius is looking fit in that MK t-shirt, Luke, and I think he presented himself well, okay? Uh, it's a heartfelt message, and he probably got... Listen, all these guys are like, how did I get blocked? For a good reason. You said something fucking stupid, but yeah, I'll unblock him. It's fine. Luke, a lot of people wondering, now that you're on good terms with one Ariel Hawani, will there be an MMA beat reunion? Um, I would meet up with the guys if they wanted to, but I would never... I'm, I'm not interested in doing any favors for my old company, so... Okay. Sort of, but not really. I, I'm also an alumnus of that show, Luke. You are. We are both you know, alumni. You know, some would say the best run ever of that show. Some, at least. Some would probably say that. Some. So, but some would say the exact opposite and say it was kind of dying at the end there. But, you know, it, it was It was a dying so. fetus, but BC was there. It was too. a dying fetus, but it wasn't. It was, it was not because of us, but because of, you know. All right. It did birth Stupid MK, people. though, so shout out to the MMA beat. It was a good run. Ronald F. says, hey, Luke and BC, I'm a 50-something washed uh, after many years of combat and collision sports, and I'm finally broken down. I recently had lumbar fusion spinal decompression Oof. surgery to correct the wreckage that was my spine. As you can see, I'm three weeks out of the hospital, ready to begin the long and successful rehab. What got me through the initial post-surgery was my constant streaming of MK all day, every day, even during my hospital stay. You guys are the best in the business. Keep crushing it. The fabulous one, Ronald F. Luke, is he, is he in, the, in the water here? I don't know, BC, is this Ronald F or is this you doing Ryzen analysis? Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, Luke. Yeah. That was a tribute to the to all things uh yeah. All <laughs> I'm right. just teasing. I'm just teasing. Hey, shout out to Ronald's back, Luke, okay? His yeah, neck, yeah. Get well, dude. He looks like yeah. he's okay actually, but get well, take it day by day, get better, and get out there and do live your life. Yeah, he looks great in that hat for for fifty something. This guy, I mean, he should be swiping right now, Luke, right? Grinder, I, I never got on the dating apps, but yes. Yeah. All right. Tom P says, from our divorce trip in Tulum, shout out to April, my best friend and more. Love the show, guys, from day one. Hope your vacations were fun. BC, you're hilarious, my friend. I truly respect you as an artist. Fuck the critics. Wow. Luke, do you know about the cenotes? They are cool as fuck. Luke, why would Tom P say this was our divorce trip? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The gentleman on the right of the screen is well-muscled. Maybe he took all the girls? I don't know. Yeah, is that a thing? Do people get divorced and then go on vacation? Or is this his way of saying, like, it's I can tell you, I can tell you my parents got divorced, and there was no vacation afterwards. No. So I don't think so. Okay. All right, Adam H. slides in with four photos. My wife and I went to Puerto Rico for our 10-year anniversary in July. Nice. And I had to rep the 1.0 merch while climbing El Moro. Food baby pick, an ode to BC and the gas station food. Keep it up, gents. This is Adam Luke in the, uh, all right, all right, nice. Camo shorts. Oh, there's the food baby, Luke. You know what? God bless this man. Yeah. These are fine Americans get, that we have here. Yeah, this is just living your life out there in Puerto Rico, eating that, eating that mofongo, having a yes. good-ass time. Um, congratulations on 10 years of marriage, sir. Adam, thank you. All right, Saul A says, out here spreading the gospel of MK and COVID at the Kentucky State Fair. Sure hope the vaccine works for me. Brian, these sloppy fair foods go out to your liver. You're damn right they do. These bourbon slushies were great. Got the classic turkey leg, cotton candy, and I never turned down a gyro, Luke? A, a gyro? Gyro? Gyro. gyro. Um, yeah. Luke, Saul A, is, that, is he rocking a mullet? 
Oh, is he ever? He's got a bag of cotton candy the size of a Volkswagen, too. I mean, look yeah. at that shit. I support this man. My man is out man, here yes. living life. I mean, he'll have to answer to the uh, to the liver fairy at the end of the day, Luke, but I support this man. Looking good. Oh, he's got a little side piece there, too, Luke. You, you down with that? I mean, she might be more than that. It's a little disrespectful, but of course, you know, love Oh, she may the be air. the main Why course. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean to disrespect her title, but yeah, well done there, sir, Saul. Saul Canelo, I like that. All right, Matthew S. says, all those years of pickup hoops in the ass crack of Connecticut finally paid off. Not many co-hosts can keep their composure. <laughs> Dude, look at this picture. That is amazing. While sweating. Wow, this is a time-lapse photography here, Luke. Can we zoom in on this, please? <laughs> Dude, look at dude. That is amazing work, and I like how your face just gets worse and worse over yeah, time. I'm in hell by the fourth one. Look at the fire there. That's great. Wow. Hey, I was looking kind you know of. Jacked, you know what sets it off is that your collar never gets wet, so it just stands in deep contrast to your filthy, filthy chest. Look, there was some speculation that I had drugs in my system, and that's why I was. No, we were in a tent. Okay, we've already explained this on Room Service Diaries. All right. And no, it didn't no. look like it, but yeah. And also, because we were in the tent, we also had lights on us inside the tent. So yes. it sucked. Yes. All right. There you go. Well, good fun and games. Uh, Dim from Bulgaria says, you guys are great. I appreciate the effort you're putting into MK. I would love to try to be helpful to you and show you my submission featuring a very special UFC 500 card. I've never looked this good. I'm never going to look this good. So I'll just say thanks to Dim from Bulgaria for the complete lie that I could ever look this amazing. He put all of his ideas together, Luke, and this was the dim sum of them. Why don't you do more Ryzen analysis? All right. All right. Hickson is here. That's Hickson with an H, Luke, not the Brazilian version. Um, good day, guys. It's your boy Hickson from the Woodlands, Texas. Keep up the good work. BC, yes, those dick-riding donks at the UFC stole your Wheel of Death game. May they choke on a gas station hot dog. The first sub is a tribute to LT's days of being pissed and his love for gym clubs. Let's zoom in. What does SMSHG stand for? I don't know. I don't know. BC, have you ever seen Luke Thomas's pissed? I used to love that show. I used to tell you about that back when we were just mere acquaintances, Luke, and you'd always say, "Yeah, yeah I wish, I wish thousands of others all liked it too, Luke." That was a, you no, no, it, it was that. just so weird when we put it out. It didn't do great numbers, and it was actually kind of hard for me to do, so I had to stop. And then after I stopped, I got, I never, it was crazy. I got like dozen, no more than that. Everywhere I went, people were like, "Dude, I used to love that." I'm like, "Why in the fuck didn't you watch it?" Yeah, yeah, that's uh. You know, could we recreate that here, Luke? Now that Rosected is is dead and buried, can we recreate? You know, Luke Thomas is really mad. You could do a you could do a spinoff of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. I could, or you could. Uh, both of us could. I don't know if you could pull off you know seething anger and resentment quite as well as I could because it comes a little more natural to me. But you know, it's possible. Okay, the second submission is LT flexing about his high alcohol liquor tolerance. <laughs> The last mosquito that bit me had to check into the Betty Ford. <laughs> Luke, for all your talk that 46 beers would it, it would take to get you buzzed, you were pretty buzzed in the frat house slash Cleveland Indians uh, I, box that we had the other night, okay? I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why you think I didn't have a lot to drink that night. Dude, I had like four or five monster doubles or triples before I even touched the beer. And then I had beer on top of it. Like you're this totally was Luke wrong the whole this. night. Yo ho, 
BC, you hoe. You hoe. BC, you hoe. Actually, no, I think what I said was, you're a bitch constantly. I'd like start a conversation with somebody about their life and stuff. You'd come in, BC, you hoe. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. You know what? When people imitate you and they sound like uh, a stupider Kenny Powers, you know you've got some questions to ask yourself. Yeah, you do. All right. A man named Ollie said, hey, MK, uh, wanted Luke to rate my lift. This came only three months into joining the gym. Five plates, 485 pounds. I failed the first attempt, but the second, but I got the second, and I think I had the third one in the tank. I've been told that's good for a new lifter. Blah, blah, blah. He grew up playing football and judo and snowboarding, Luke. And it's given him strong legs and a lower back that's strong as oh, well. Oh, no. He is fucking this all up. No. He can barely do any pull-ups, but this was oh, pre-pandemic. Dude, this is terrible. This is terrible. No, he is obviously quite strong. So this is not a, this is not a comment. This is not a comment about his strength. Roll the video one more time. First mistake he's making, and it's the mistake that everyone makes. I made it for years, too. Whenever you use the straps, you don't need to roll it multiple times over the bar. One wrap over the bar is all you need, number one. And number two, it looks like he's got his bar placement. See how the bar placement comes right up against the shins? It should not do that. This is not the snatch. The bar path is crooked, and he. the most important part is watch how he lifts with the back, the, 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 the top of his lower part of his back. Whenever you're doing this, the number one thing in deadlifting is there will be some rounding, especially if it's a max load, but you need to drop your shoulder all the way down and lock your lats into place so your back stays tight and wound the whole time. All these major lifts, like a deadlift, overhead press, bench press, you have to wind your body super, 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 super tight and then execute the lift. He's loose all the way through. This is just leg drive and lower back drive. He's going to fuck himself up if he keeps doing this. I'm not here to be like a dick at all. He's obviously strong. If you can lift that weight off the ground the way he's doing it with basically like his spinal erectors, you're obviously quite strong. Uh, in fact, if he cleans up his technique, he'll, he, can, he can do good things. But you do for your own sake, you need to clean that up. You're going to get injured lifting like that. Remember in Doc 4 when Chobb was like, what, you had a problem with the, the 400 pounds? And then Luke's like, no, you know, he, I can- no, he lifted, he lifted six. And I told this to his face. I, I called him on the phone. I'm like, bro, you're strong as fuck. And I, he cleaned it up a little bit, but he was jerking into the bar. And what I was trying to explain to him was if you ever lift a deadlift and you can hear the bar clank into the weights, it means you didn't provide that proper tension I'm talking about prior to executing the lift. Yeah. He was just yanking it off the ground without getting tight first. Again, you can do that for a while. But you're going to fuck your shit up doing that. Yeah, Do lift not that lift tension that way. like it's Nasakawa already. All right, John That's G right. has an MK meme. Let's run, th- let's run through these quick and get out of here. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you got it. I think you got it. I you mean, know? is it wrong? Is it wrong? It's not wrong. It's not wrong. Hey, you keep going away for two weeks. It's going to be a lot of weird shit on this show, all right? Um, MHD says, hey, Luke and BC... This is my artwork. Asked BC about OnlyFans before. I hope you're well. This is my first submission. Uh, it's a new comic called The Wheel of Death. So let's see what it is, Luke. MK All Headquarters. Right. Ring, ring. Looks pretty cool. Looks pretty cool. Luke Thomas uh, he, he News. He made me much less gray than I actually am. How can I help you? Yep. Does it advance? Is there another slide? Hey, Luke, did you get the request I sent for our new segment? Yeah, yeah I decided. I just, yeah. Uh, let, me re- let me read the Luke part. Yeah, I decided not to accept it since I have producer credit. <laughs> we'll see, Luke. We'll see. All right. What do we get? Is there a punchline here? 
No, that's the next one. Let's back that shit up. Okay. So uh, MHD says, I know Luke is going to shit all over this, but I'm sure BC is going to love it since artists recognize artists. Thank you, MHD. No, I, I actually love I mean, there's no punchline. You're right. But I actually do love the artwork. I think it's pretty good. He says, P.S. I'm fully vaccinated now, Luke, and waiting on my merch. Much love from both Syria and Portugal. He's a man of the world like you, Luke. There you go, dude. Appreciate you getting that vax. Appreciate you getting that yeah. uh, merch. God bless you. Unlike you, he would never turn his back on his Indian faith, though. All right, John G. says, Luke and B.C. have uh, hit Cleveland. Let's see this thing. <laughs> I mean, could we look more stupid and pretentious at the same time? Yeah, yeah, that's well done. All right, Tony, <laughs> Tony Z. says, hey, fellas, I'm no photo grisser, but here's a post-workout pic of Luke <laughs> wearing the pride gloves from Merch 3.0. <laughs> Keep up the good work. You're truly... Best brains for the art, Tony Z. Luke, that's an incredible photo of uh, Mr. T and Hulk Hogan with our heads on it. That is great. Dude, can I just say that they are bringing it this week with the yeah. fan subs? They are killing it this week. Wait, Luke, you hate gloves, but what about belts? Are you okay on workout belts? No, belts are pretty critical. They can be overused like anything else, but um, people don't understand. People are like, oh, he lifted it with a belt. Like, it's cheating. No, it's not. Belt uh, Belting your the, the the core of your body is i would argue for maximal lifting almost essential almost essential all right i'll keep that in mind fan sub last one it's from ben j hey guys check out the alternate universe where luke guns down the gen z aliens and b she shows how his painting skills have come along possibly a couple of t-shirt designs here for merch 3.0 love the show i like how you're painting urban blight uh, love from Wales. It's Ben Z. And there you have it. A little <laughs> happy little abandoned factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut. There's many of those down there in, uh, in, in Father Panic Village down there in Bridgeport. Uh, I look fantastic with the uh, with the Bob Ross fro. And can we go back to that first one here? Yeah, Luke, Luke Nukem, Nukem 3D. 3D. That is great. That Dude, is these great. guys make me look cooler than I'll ever be, but I yes. am grateful for this. That is fucking awesome. Uh, we close with two birthday shout-outs. By the way, we'll never do fan subs this long again. It's just that we've been so long in doing them. Um, this is from Kristen D. She says, Dear Luke and Brian, first off, great work with the show. My boyfriend Christopher, a DC native... Is a huge MK fan, never misses an episode, so I've become a fan too. As a matter of fact, we've been traveling abroad since January, and I've taken you guys with us everywhere we go. So thank you for the endless banner and entertainment. It's Chris's birthday on Monday, August 23rd. That was last week. He doesn't know it yet, but you're about to tell him. He has some morning combat gear waiting for him when we arrive back in the States. I promise to send fan photos. It'd be awesome if you can give him a birthday shout-out. Stay frosty. Thanks for all the laughs. Luke, this was supposed to go last week, but um, there was a lot of issues with your travel and me you know, doing great solo shit without you. So do you want to wish Christopher, a DC native, who's indoctrinated his wife into all things MK, a very happy birthday? Yeah, shouts to the DC fellas. Appreciate you. Happy birthday. I don't like doing these shout outs because we're not a hip hop radio station, but at the same time, I will because they found a way to sneak it in. So, um, you know, uh, sweet. How about this guy studying abroad with his wife? <laughs> hope, the, hope it becomes a three way, Luke, right? All right. Uh, this last one is from yeah. Scott M. Rizzo's wife, Amy. Luke, you know Scott M. Rizzo, right? 
Amy says, hoping you could do me a solid for my husband's birthday. It's August 24th. He's a huge fan and has sent you several things that you've shared on the show. I heard you say that you would answer a question if we flood Apple with reviews. So I wrote one. Plus, I bought some MK swag, so I'm hoping you'll help me out. Would love for you to give him a shout. Thanks, and keep on trucking. Scott M. Rizzo, you've been one of our OGs. Maybe you've flooded us with too many at times. Maybe we question if there's human heads floating in your freezer. But you're an artiste, and art does recognize art. Happy birthday, buddy. And shout out to your lovely wife, I'm sure, for reaching out to us. Luke, I know you don't like this. But this stuff goes a long way. These are our people. It does. It does. I just don't want to be the place. Because here's the thing. You love giving milk to stray cats. You know, that's your favorite thing to do. And, you know, you're because you're a humanitarian, which I understand. But if you do it, it's not that I don't want to re- wish these people happy birthday. The problem is if you do it, you get flooded with requests from people that you don't care about. And I just don't want to. I'm not. This isn't cameo. So for, for the hardcores, I'm cool with it. But, okay. you know, if you're just a donk on the fringe and you want a happy birthday, go fuck yourself. How about that? Wow. Go, go pound sand after 30 days of showtime. Yeah. All right. all right. There you go. Look, that's the friggin' show for today. I don't know. I, I hope it was good. You know, I didn't sell. I didn't. Hey, listen, I didn't it's a Wednesday it. show kind of in between big events. It, it, uh, I thought we, we did great on this. So I'm happy to be back in the seat and everything else. Let's remind folks tomorrow. Live chat is back. Uh, 3 p.m. Friday. The show is back, 11 a.m. We're going to get you ready for the weekend's fights. There actually are some. And, of course, if you want to follow everything we're doing from now until then, BC and I on Twitter and Instagram. You can see Morning Combat, Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, of course, right here, YouTube.com slash Morning Combat with a K. If you want to try Showtime, you can. 30 days free. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go do something else with your life. Uh, we will do Dead Wrong, not tomorrow, but on Friday's show. So get those Dead Wrongs and email the show. Morningcombat at gmail.com is going to be the place to do that. We are still up for an MMA award, uh, World MMA Award, I should say. So why don't you vote for us? You can go to worldmmaawards.com slash nominees. You can give us we're Best MMA Programming nominee. And uh, morningcombat.store for merch. All the merch you guys have out there is pretty amazing. We appreciate it. If you haven't taken the plunge yet, now you can worldwide shipping for folks who are in the far stretches and corners of the earth. Luke, BC, any by, final par, uh, imp- uh, thoughts to impose? Yeah, hopefully by Friday this uh, mole will have completely fallen off after being frozen, Luke. So really Yeah, I got to... a couple here. I, I had three. I had two taken off, but I kind of got one back here I got to get taken off. Yeah, Dude, I had a few sucks. on my... On my eyelid, the lady was just yanking them off. No, no needles for those, Luke. I don't want a needle on the eyelid. I did tell she the she didn't burn them. Oh, some she froze. Some she injected a needle and then picked and then sliced off. Um, oh, I see. I, it led to me telling her my harrowing. Um, um, three needles. Yeah, three needles story, which you know yeah. maybe regrettable to tell a female doctor that story, but I think she got the the point that. Um, hey, we just met. Let me talk about my chopped up balls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. That's it. I'm, I'm not here to do anything else but tell you that I'm going to be back Friday with a bang. A great show coming your way. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready to take this shit to the next level. Oh, and okay? the De La Hoya interview, when does that go up? That's, that's probably going to go up tomorrow. Um, so get ready for that. Talking all things Vitor. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get you ready. We'll get you ready. Okay. I'm all fired right. up. So there you have it. That's all for us today. We appreciate you watching. Live chat tomorrow. Show on Friday. So for everyone else uh, on the show, Malka, CBS, Showtime, we appreciate you. We're glad to be back in the saddle. For Brian Campbell, the King of Connecticut, I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. 
New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.